0: want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today joining us is Katie Kern, who's agency partner at Media Frenzy Global. Let's jump in and get to know Katie. Katie, welcome. How are you?
1: I am great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks so much.
0: Absolutely. We're excited to have you on and be able to cover a a lot of things. But first, tell us a little bit about Katie. Where are you from? Where were you born and raised? Tell us about you.
1: Absolutely. So I am a Georgia girl, born and raised. I was raised in Augusta, Georgia, home of the the Masters. I'm sure everyone's familiar with the Masters Golf Tournament. That's right. That's what we're known for. And born and raised there, once I decided to take flight from the small city of Augusta, went to college, graduated from college in four years. I like to brag about that because four years is a, a very aggressive time to graduate from college. And then I decided to take my career to Reebok. That was my first job in the marketing department at Reebok. I uprooted myself from the South. Knew nothing about living up north, except that it's cold, and decided to take a leap of faith and really see what I'm worth. Moved to a place that was completely foreign to me in Boston, Massachusetts. So it was quite an interesting journey, to say the least. Worked for Rebot for a couple of years, done a lot of various projects. Decided to go to another company called Casual Mail Retail Group. You guys probably on the customer-facing side knows that company is a big and tall company. It's Big and tall brand that's client facing. And then from there, my husband and I met and decided to move to Charleston, South Carolina, where I started my own lifestyle and boutique agency, where I was really focused on fashion and beauty. I did that for a few years. And then my husband's job, once again, you know, we're always running behind. Our husbands tried to make sure that, you know, we're keeping the, the family moving and growing. And Settled back in Atlanta and started working with Media Frenzy Global. So we work primarily with tech companies from midsize to enterprise size companies, primarily working on brand development, public relations programs, and also content marketing.
2: Katie, I have to ask Augusta, Georgia, do you play golf?
1: I do not play golf. I play tennis and I'm very good. So I'm very competitive and good at
0: tennis. Nice. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Where did you find that side of yourself that said, Hey, you know what? I'm okay uprooting myself and going way far away from home, right? To an unknown place. It sounds like you didn't have a lot of sort of a nucleus of friends and family that were there in Massachusetts who welcome you, right? So where do you think you found that pioneering spirit for yourself to just kind of go and, and do that?
1: Yeah, I think it came from my parents. My mom is, she passed away actually in October. And I always say that I got my mom's kindred spirit, always looking for things that are new and special. My mom was a very curious person. She was always great at evolving and adapting to new situations. And then on the flip side, I have my dad. My dad was actually a Black Panther. He actually led the Black Panther Party in Augusta, Georgia. And when you see someone who's constantly out in the forefront, shaking up things and really, really trying to make a difference in the community, his goal was always to make sure that his daughters were first and foremost giving back to their community, but making sure that we were spreading our wings wherever we went.
0: Yeah. And when you decided to go to school, how did you make a decision on like where to go and and sort of start that chapter of your life?
1: You know, it's interesting. My family is very much rooted in the medical field, whether it's my sisters with nurses, doctors. If you look at my family, there's everyone is in the medical field. That did not interest me whatsoever. I wasn't interested in helping people in that way. But then it was interesting, I actually got to do an internship with Nike. And one of the assignments that I received was the Nike Peach Jam. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Nike Peach Jam, but I was able to go and see all of these high school, elite high school athletes in these AAU tournaments play at this high level. And all these college coaches and recruiters and you know really out there just like, looking at this talent and these kids doing these amazing things at such an early age and this brand just rallying around them, Nike just rallying around them. And I was in the midst of all of that. That excited me so much. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do this every day. So fast forward, was not interested in moving to Portland, Oregon whatsoever. But Reebok, great company. It's the second largest footwear company in the world at that time. And I was like, well, they're in Boston. That's a cool place. Let's go and see if that's going to be somewhere that could be a place where I can kind of lay down, you know, some roots and also just learn. You know, I'm a curious person by nature and always looking to kind of see what's on the horizon. During my time at Reebok, we were able to sign a major contract with a licensing contract with the NFL and the NBA and then NHL as well. So that was great to be a part of that. There's other great opportunities. We worked with Pharrell Williams when he kind of launched the ice cream brand that he was doing for a while, which was great. And then Sean P. Diddy Combs came through and we were able to do the licensee for Sean John Footwear as well. So some really cool projects I got to work on.
2: Nice. Love that. Tell us more about Media Frenzy Global and, and what you're up to today.
1: Yeah, you know, with Media Frenzy Global, which is very much the opposite of what kind of My passion, you know, around sports, I grew up in sports, played basketball, I played tennis. I just love being a part of that. Just being a part of just that excitement that was constantly going on. I'm an athlete at heart. Even though I don't play competitively, I'm still very much out there playing and just kind of being a part of what's happening. You can ask me anything about what's going on in the NBA right now. I'll let you know what's going on. Play-by-play, play, players, stats, whatever the case may be, it's in my, my DNA. But with Media Frenzy, just being able to come into a time when Atlanta was kind of getting really big with tech. The tech boom was happening in Atlanta. There were just so many great companies that were coming out of Atlanta, like MailChimp. Google was setting up you know a home base there. Pinterest, Spotify, all these great companies looking to Atlanta. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but Atlanta influences everything any and everything, Atlanta influences everything.
0: I could see so, have that opinion. <laughs> yes, we, we know it
2: now.
1: <laughs> I'm not just talking about the U.S. Around the world, you can go to the continent of Africa, you can go to Europe, you can go to all these different places. They know who the Migos are, they know who Drake is. Drake actually got his start in Atlanta, whether it's any sort of Cardi B. She actually is not from there. I know she's from you know New York, but she lives right here. There's you know, Tyler Perry Studios. There's all these great things that are coming out of Atlanta. And I wanted to be a part of it because I wanted to make sure that we kept our finger on the pulse of all great things tech that's happening in Atlanta. And so Media Frenzy, we are working with really great clients that are in the tech industry. And we do have a passion project, which I actually decided that I wanted to take on. We actually work with the Harlem Globetrotters. The Harlem Globetrotters are actually based here in Atlanta. They're not based in Harlem, as people might think. And that's a passion project for us. So we're doing all of the media relations for the Harlem Globetrotters. So whether it's, you know, taking campaigns like a Dear NBA letter, where we actually sent a letter to Adam Silver and demanded they give their credit to the Harlem Globetrotters because they are the trailblazers who actually got Black players initiated into the NBA. So we're just doing a lot of great things with these. I think we like to call them challenger brands, you know, to help them tell their story and really develop some really cool messaging around their story.
2: What is it about the challenger brands that gets you so excited and makes you so passionate about helping them succeed or grow their brand?
1: You know, what's interesting when we were actually asked to come on to be the agency of record for the Harlem Globetrotters, the PR agency of record. I don't know if people know this, but the Harlem Globetrotters, they actually skipped a generation. They were very, very active for a while. And then they, you know, like the Curly Neils and the Metal arc Lemons, these like legacy players. And then you didn't hear from them for quite a while. So when we were asked to reintroduce this brand to a new demographic, I was like, yeah, let's take on this challenge because there was a lot of research that we had to do. You know, when your core demographic that you're trying to target are Black boys between the ages of 10 and 13. Just think about that age and what their thoughts are on basketball and what the Harlem Globetrotters do at their events that they host in various cities. These kids have grown up with Steph Curry, LeBron James. Some of them are playing in AAU by that time between the ages of 10 and 13, and they're being looked at by recruiters and colleges. So their expectation is that they want to see balling, ballers, you know? so and that's not necessarily what the Harlem Globetrotters are at their core they're not playing at the nba level so having to figure out what's going to really resonate with them that's going to make those kids kind of say you know stand up and pay attention it's going to be their connection to their community their the activism that they have out in their community fighting for you know black lives matter and all these different civil rights the volunteering that they do at the Boys and Girls Club and all these different things. So being able to tell those stories at a high level is what really intrigued us Is taking on that, that Challenger brand.
0: Great. Katie, I want to ask you about something that you helped launch a couple of years ago with the A-Pledge. Can you talk to us about the A-Pledge?
1: Yes, absolutely. The A Pledge is my baby right now. It is something that I hold near and dear because, of course, after the murder of George Floyd, all these different brands across the country wanted to put up those black boxes in solidarity, saying that enough is enough. And we came to find out that when all these pledges were being kind of spearheaded, you look at the data now, a lot of the diversity, equity, and inclusion that we expect it to happen, and especially in the industry that I am, advertising and marketing, they're not living up to those pledges. And the A pledge, which I love, which is the the mission for Atlanta, Atlanta, the city of Atlanta is 53% Black. And that's nowhere near representation of Black and brown people in advertising and marketing agencies. It's probably more around 7 to 10%, just depending on if you're taking that outside of the perimeter. So one of our mission is to make sure by 2030 that the city that we live in is representation of the people that are working in these advertising and marketing agencies.
2: How do you think the progress is going on that? Because Eric and I talk to our guests a lot about You know, similar to what you said, you know, all the unfortunate events that happened two plus years ago now that got a lot of recognition, right? Let's be clear. Events like that were happening well before two years ago, but, you know, started to get recognition or a light shined on them two years ago. And a lot of companies made pledges. A lot of companies decided to relook at their own DEI efforts, so on and so forth. Where do you think we stand today in terms of progress being made over the last two and a half years?
1: You know, unfortunately, if I'm looking at the U.S., I know that mm-hmm. the most recent data, people have not lived up to those pledges. When you look at when they are able to show their numbers, because that's one of the things that the A pledge, we require the agencies that have pledged that we want to see your numbers. We want to see how mm-hmm. you've retained diverse talent. Have you hired, you know, executive level talent? So that visibility is really important to us and that transparency but if you look at it from a nationwide bird's eye view, things have not changed at gotcha. all. It's very much smoke and mirrors. Like most of the time when people are, they're more reactive than anything, and that's when they make a mistake or when they get outed by their agency employees or even brands. So right now, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of yeah. work to be done.
2: What are some of those things you think in terms of work that needs to be done? can be done to move us forward.
1: One of the things that really kind of frustrates me more than anything, sometimes I don't understand when companies say they can't move, they can't mm. do anything mm. you know, they're like, Oh, we don't have any job openings right now. So we can't hire any more people, it's just people in general. We have, we have a hiring freeze or the economy's not doing well. There's so many excuses. And I feel that if you really want to make a difference and you're sitting in these executive... like We're not talking to mid-tier or junior-level executives. We're talking to the CEOs and CMOs of companies. Yeah. If you really want to make a change, you have the power. You really do have the power. And it really just takes someone being brave and saying, this is what we're going to dedicate ourselves and do, and pushing that forward. Action speaks louder than words. And that's the expectation that all these agencies, these major brands... Just do what you say you're going to do. It doesn't take like, people think they have to put these programs together. Just like, no, hire. There's so many things that are out there. I mean, I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, we we have such a hard time feeling these entry-level people. I'm like, come to Atlanta. We have tons of HBCUs (laughs) here and some of the top in the country. There's no lack of talent that's out there. You can see tons of creatives. Go to TikTok, for God's sake. Right. And see some of the best of the best creatives creating content on those platforms. And you would be amazed if you brought them into your company, how they could really change the dynamics of the work that you're creating to move and shift your business forward. It's pretty simple to me, but unfortunately people make excuses and that's what we've seen over the past two and a half years.
2: Right, right. You talked earlier about your dad was part of Black Panthers. How much of your drive today, especially around the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion, was influenced by him and the work he did?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I know before we got on, we were talking about my name, making sure to pronounce my name correctly. And one of the things that was a little bit sad to myself. It was very, very depressing to myself and to my family in general is that I changed my name. My government name is Akate. My sister's name is Kadada Nike and my younger sister is Nzinga Imani. We have African names. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated from college, I found it very, very difficult to get a job. Mm -hmm. I submit my resume. I was not getting any callbacks. And it wasn't because of the lack of experience or I didn't do well in school. I mean, my resume was pretty stacked, but I did not get any callbacks. I changed that Katie. At that time, my last name was Nelson. Immediately, I got an influx of interests. Mm, so it's a very, very uh, sad story because that's something that my dad made sure that we were very proud of our names And I had to go and do something pretty drastic in order to make sure that I made my way in this American society. So taking that from my dad, that's something that I did have to to do that I wasn't very proud of. But one of the things that I did take from my dad as we were growing up, my dad was fearless. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have done in my life is I've trailblazed through things. You can tell me no a million times. I don't care you got to accept those types, that type of rejection. I have built thick skin. You can say a lot of things to me and it's not going to break me down. Seen it, heard it before, probably things that were worse that were said to people out there. But that was something that my dad really prepared me for. It's interesting. My dad is always like, he was like, you're unbreakable. That is something that he built and instilled in me.
2: Any thought of ever changing your name back?
1: The interesting thing is that everyone else outside of work called me a cate. So it's not like it's forgotten or uh, okay. it's just more in the business. Like even in school, I was a cate. It wasn't like my, even my childhood friends and schoolmates. It's a cate. Katie came into play for work.
0: That's great. Somebody who really knows you really knows you
1: and your yes. name. Right? Isn't that great? Yes, you and do. and, and, it's and so you It's so funny. I'll go out and they'll say, Akasi, I'm like, it must be someone from school, you know, because it's not <laughs> yeah. what I use in my everyday life. So yes.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think often about previous guests that we've had where they shared experiences about how in just a name, not even meeting someone, not even taking five minutes to get to know someone, that through someone's name, that can be an immediate shut out. That can be an immediate, just stop. And, you know, for anyone listening that's evaluating candidates and evaluating folks to bring into their company, you know, I think that's a powerful thing to think about and hear about. So thank you for sharing that with us. Also, Carell and I, we take the time to sort of talk about that because it's that important and respect can even begin
2: mm-hmm. with
0: pronouncing someone's name correctly making sure that you take the time to say it correctly. You would do it with a lot of other situations. Why not in a name, right? And so that's fascinating. I want to ask you about something that I know you're really proud of, and that's being a mentor. And you're a mentor along with other esteemed women. Can you talk about some of your mentorship work and what it kind of means to you today?
1: Absolutely. I just actually wrapped up a great mentorship program with Live Nation. I was matched with this incredible young woman. Her name is Judea. She goes to Savannah State University and she's majoring in marketing. She's actually getting her master's. She's about to wrap up in December. And those opportunities for me are just so important because I don't think that people understand that when you actually have someone that you can listen and really understand what you're going through, understand some of the challenges that you're going through, even the facing the name thing, Judea, think about the name. We actually had that conversation mm. and I encouraged her. I said, do not change your name. She's going to change it to Jay. I said, absolutely not. Mm. Keep your name. Your name means something. Mm-hmm. And we actually had to tell her my story. And if I could go back and do it again, I would completely keep my name But just being able to have an opportunity to guide a young person through their journey and get them prepared for what's to come, that is the most rewarding thing that I do every single day. Media frenzy, I love the A-Pledge, but my time with Judea and being able to guide her through this journey before she embarks on going into her professional career and, and really prepare her for what's to come. You know, I don't sugarcoat anything with her. We're very, very transparent. Her dad actually even called me at the end of the internship and said, thank you so much. You have no idea the impact that you've made on my daughter. She actually was interviewing for a job and she's a beast at salary negotiations because, you know, I taught her, I said, do not I said, do your research. Make sure you go out there and do your research. You're getting your master's. That's a leg up on other candidates that are out there. You're, you put in the work, you put in the time. So don't ever underestimate yourself. So these types of engagements are so important. And I feel like I've gotten so much from these mentorship opportunities more than I feel like I've given. These kids are curious and they're hungry. They're living in a time that's so just kind of unknown. Just imagine being in COVID and going to school online for two years straight and not knowing what the job market is going to look like. Going into marketing and knowing that, you know, there's very few black and brown people that get the opportunity to work in agencies or for these major brands. Those jobs, they're just not knocking down your door. You really have to be aggressive and know someone, have resources. And that's what I offer to her. Any of the individuals that I mentor, you have my resources, you have my ear. I'm an advocate for them. And these are lifelong friendships that I've been able to establish.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Earlier, you talked about sort of inspiration through exposure with Nike and sort of kicking off your career and then uh, even inspiration from your dad and your mom and life lessons, right? Where are you drawing inspiration from now? What are you finding inspiring today?
1: You know, right now I'm doing a lot of audibles right now. I listened to the Will Smith book that came out and He really has created this formula of being a major actor, entertainer. And this, his life lessons, there were so many things that I could walk away from and say, you know what? This is something that you can actually apply. This is a thought process that you could actually implement. There's just so many great learning lessons that came out of listening to that book. And I just started embarking on One of the people that I want to meet and I hope I get to meet in my lifetime and his lifetime is Quincy Jones. I'm a huge fan of Quincy Jones. I feel like he's lived an amazing life. and he's really remained curious and has changed music in so many different ways. I was actually looking at a documentary around Quincy Jones on Netflix, and I was just so I was actually jealous of the people that worked with him because they were able to absorb everything that he's been able to acquire over the years, just all the knowledge and the exposure. This man has lived an extraordinary life. And I just think the life lessons that he has, and his book is all about life lessons, this recent book that he just released. And I'm just diving into it because there's just so many life lessons to learn from someone like at his caliber.
2: All right, Katie, two fun questions that I have for you. I'll ask the first one. First one is the... Give us the top three apps that you use on your phone on a regular basis, but you can't name email or calendar or text messaging because those are boring and way too easy.
1: The fitness app, use that one, Audible, use that one on a regular basis and Spotify.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Now the second question, who's winning the NBA finals this year?
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to be hopeful and say golden State. I'm going to be that, hopeful.
2: That's who I would go with right now, considering Booker is out for Phoenix and yeah. who knows if they're going to get past new Orleans. And I don't really have much confidence in any of the teams in the East because they all just go up and down all the time. So
1: that is true. Uh, Even though Atlanta could have been in contingency, but they could not pull it through. So I digress. All right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, thanks so much for hanging out with us. You know, a lot of our listeners and viewers love to stay in touch and reach out if they can. What are some easy ways that they can do that?
1: The best place to reach me, of course, and I would not. I'm putting like a little bit of a hesitation because he actually just purchased my favorite Social media platform, but Twitter is where I love to have conversations with people and people can reach me at Katie Kern. I actually was able to acquire that very early on because I was an early adopter of Twitter and I might be moving away from that just depending on how things go with this new ownership. But yes, at Katie Kern, and then LinkedIn is a great place if there's anything that someone wants to reach me, especially dealing with marketing or DEI or PR or advertising, LinkedIn, I'm always very very linked into those platforms and i do respond i do not ignore people i do much very respond because i think it's very very respectful that's why you're on the platform it's not private
0: excellent well thank you katie akate kern and (laughs) we want to thank everyone for listening to another episode and you can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video just search minority report podcast and look for the logo thanks again